contrary to popular belief, professionalism is not dead on football and other F-words. Welcome in. It is football and other F-words. I'm your host, Michael Gillum. I'm joined by Zach Lyons, and hopefully we will be joined by Michael Herndon here shortly. We are all brought to you by broadwaysportsmedia.com. Come over and check us out. Grab yourself a premium membership today, broadwaysportsmedia.com. Zach, as we record this, I'm looking out the window, and it is still the same sheet of ice that we had from yesterday. <laughs> well, up here where I'm at, the, the snow is it probably two to three inches thick and there's probably about half an inch to an inch of ice underneath it. So when you're walking, at least where I'm at, you're not touching the ice, which is a good thing, but you ain't going anywhere. I mean, this is, this is crazy. Last yesterday, we had the hardest time getting Huxley, I guess, uh, to use the restroom to poop. And <laughs> it took forever. And then last night, he just doesn't want to go anywhere. There's nowhere to go. He doesn't see grass or anything. He doesn't, this is first snow. He doesn't know what to do. And last night he woke me up at like one 30 and we have this field out near our house that he's walking me all around running to through the snow, trying he's anxiety riddled. It's not fun for him. He just can't find a place to poop. And I mean, we're talking from, he woke me up at like one fifteen in the morning and we didn't get back inside to like one forty-five in the morning, just to pee and poop. Cause he's, he's just got this anxiety about it. Zach, what kind of prima donna dog have you raised? I mean, he's, he's not a snow dog. I mean, he, he is a, he's a springtime warm weather kind of dog. If you've never seen this dog, it is how much does he weigh? He's probably a little bit over 20 pounds right now, he's winter a, weight. He's a 20-pound loaf of sourdough. I mean, he's a hilarious whole animal. He's a French bulldog. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. He's a Frenchie. He's, he's absolutely hysterical. Um, I'm not going out in this mess. I'm not going anywhere. I watched one of my neighbors pull out of their spot, try to back up. The car slid all over the place, parked it right back in the spot, just <laughs> went back in the house. I'm not going anywhere. Thankfully, I did buy provisions before him to just sit here. So that yeah. is exactly what we're going to do. Um, we've actually got a little bit of a special podcast today. We know that you all thrive on the mess that the AFC South is as much as we do. So that's what we're going to delve into today. Starting with the Jacksonville Jaguars and their ridiculousness. We'll get into the Houston Texans. If this goes long, might have to record two podcasts out of it, but we'll get started um, with Jacksonville. So you were telling me before we recorded, Jacksonville has made a hire which I am unaware of, and you wanted my reaction. Well, it's a very Simpsons-sounding name. And and I don't really know anything about his background. I know that he, he may, at this point, 50% chance he's a racist because that's what they hire, and 50% yeah. chance he may even be a domestic abuser. We don't know because, I mean, it is a hire by the Jacksonville Jaguars. But the Jaguars have hired Trip McCracken. Trip McCracken is his name. Not making it up. Trip McCracken as director of roster management. Apparently, he's a well-respected exec, formerly of the Browns and Chiefs. McCracken has a salary cap background. Jacksonville dismissed John Idzik last month. That is from Tom Pelissero of NFL Network. But Trip McCracken. That's like, that, that doesn't even seem like it's a real person. 
with, with all due respect to Trip, that sounds like a name that Bart Simpson would call the bar and, and ask Mo for. That, that's it, it, exactly what that sounds it like. It feels to me that someone along the line had a um, had an issue at, at in one of these NFL front offices, and he shifted the blame. Anytime anything bad happened, he shifted the blame to his intern, Trip McCracken. And the legend of Trip McCracken grew – and so he's probably not even real. Like, I kind of feel like he's not real. And they're just promoting people based on rumors at this point. On the show 30 Rock, that's Alec Baldwin's yeah. character. He's always telling Liz Lemon, Tina Fey, that she needs to have an underling to blame things on. That, right. That's that's Trip McCracken. That, that, that's Trip McCracken. Well, too bad Trip McCracken wasn't on board for Urban Meyer to blame this hire on. But he decided to bring on Chris Doyle former strength coach for Iowa, who's just an all, if you just go back and read just a little bit about what this man done, he's an all around racist bull. He's a piece of shit. I mean, when you go and read these things, 21 years with Iowa as the strength coach um, during the, um, some of the black lives matters protests. A lot of the players during um, that time with Iowa were deciding, Hey, look, this is a good time for us to bring up our issues with this guy. Um, and he was, he was fired. Well, <laughs> the team reached an agreement to get rid of him at Iowa. Um, they accused the players accused him of saying things like, I will send you back to the ghetto. That's lovely. Um, and then cr- criticizing their hair and attire. Um, he quote, let a systematic, uh, racism and bullying against players. So the team paid him, Iowa paid him $1.2 million to leave and he never apologized. He basically said that what was coming out about him was a lie. He said that he made, quote, mistakes, but never admitted to using, you know, racist terms, being a bully, that kind of thing. And the team basically kind of quietly separated with him, paid him $1.2 million. So naturally, Urban Meyer hires this man. I mean, and and they hire him with players on the roster that, vocally came out against him. I mean, COVID uh, getter, Greg Maben, who infected the Titans locker room, who is down there in Jacksonville. Because that's where we, that's where they send all diseased players down to Jacksonville. Because I mean, who cares? They're, you're in Florida now. I mean, you know, they're, they're they're talking about like limiting travel, but it's all probably all because of Greg Maben. And, uh, but He's one of the players in Iowa that came out against no, with his name, not anonymously. He came out and com- and talked about everything that Chris Doyle did. And it's, it's just another long misstep, long list of missteps by urban Meyer since first off joining the NFL. But this dates back to urban Meyer, you know, pretty much sheltering and or protecting, uh, I believe his name, if I recall correctly, was Zach Smith, who beat his wife and Urban Meyer knew. Urban Meyer is a despicable person and he hires despicable people and he'll protect them. And it's utterly ridiculous that this guy even said that, oh, I know him from my days in Utah. They never worked together in Utah. Now, Chris Doyle worked in Utah, but he left, uh, I believe, 
over a decade before Urban Meyer even came to Utah. They have never worked together. So not only has Urban Meyer protected and tried to hire and fly under the radar, which I don't even know what he was thinking because everybody knows about this guy, this racist piece of crap, he also lies about it and says, well, you know, from my history of working with him, he's a really nice guy. I don't know. Maybe Urban Fire is racist. I, I really don't know. Like, maybe he doesn't see what this guy's doing is wrong. I mean, maybe that doesn't make you racist. It just makes you ignorant. I don't know. But Urban Meyer, to me, is one of the most despicable people in the coaching circles of football. I mean, it's, it's, it's just ridiculous. And I understand that he's really good at what he does. And he has put together winning programs in Ohio State and Utah. This is a different world. This isn't college football where you could just bully players and they'll shut up. This is the NFL. And, you know, bullying players like Greg Doyle did or Chris Doyle did in um, in Iowa isn't going to fly here in the NFL where there's grown-ass men who will probably beat the crap out of you. And we already know that, you know, there are players on that team. So what is this? What, what do you make of this? Is this just ignorance? And what about the owners? Like, what were they thinking? And then the fact that they even sent out a team statement and didn't even say uh, the, the GM and the coach, and then they later amended it. Like, it's just a mess. I love it, but it's weird. I, I love it, and I hate it. I love that the Jaguars are a mess, but I hate that they even try to pull this shit. And that's where I was going to start is with Trent Baalke. So, the, the statement originally came out with just Urban Meyer's name on it, basically saying that Chris offered his resignation, didn't want to be a distraction, blah, blah, blah. Conveniently skirting around the whole, we hired this guy, probably should have never brought him on board. It basically was like, Chris made this decision to leave the team and we support it. He doesn't want to be a distraction. Complete just jerk off move to just throw the blame anywhere, but Urban made a terrible opening hire. But the next morning, this exact same statement comes back out with Trent Baalke's name attached to it, basically saying that well, this was a statement from both Trent and Urban Meyer. I I'm reading too much into this. I know I am. But this already looks like a power struggle. This already looks like a GM who is coming out and saying, oh, hold on a second. I don't want to look like that I don't have power here and I had no say so in this. And I'm reading behind the scenes on this one. This looks like that Urban and Trent are already playing tug of war. Uh, he doesn't have any power. I mean, it's it's Sean yeah. Khan at the Sean beginning Khan of the said year. It. Yeah, Sean Khan said, "I will handle all the duties, <laughs> all the duties that a GM has." Sean Khan has already said, "I'm going to handle all that." And basically, this Trent Balky is just—he's just there. He is Trent McCracken, basically. <laughs> I mean, he's just there. I mean, he's uh, he's just there to collect a paycheck and sit in an office and hopefully not miss any important memos like he already missed. Uh, th this one. Did you read what the Fritz Pollard Alliance wrote yet? I I basically I have it here that the the statement that they pretty much put out the full statement is damning, but the 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 you know tagline of it is is that his hire is simply unacceptable. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, it's unacceptable by any racial standards, in my yes. opinion. I mean, like, it doesn't matter what, like, it doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter what race you are. This is a horrible hire, and it's unbelievable just that he says he's known Chris for close to 20 years. And even, okay, let's say that even if that's true, even though that we know that they've never worked together, and we know that that has been said in addition, even if he's known him for 20 years, Urban Meyer is a horrible judge of character. Can we talk about that? Hey, oh, yeah. Aaron Hernandez, <laughs> yeah. Zach we're, we're... Smith, and Chris Doyle. I mean, give me a break. This guy's a horrible judge of character. It's like he doesn't care. So while he was a head coach of the Florida Gators, he had 32 players that were arrested for whether it was simple misdemeanor crimes all the way up to, you know, the mass murder ring that Aaron Hernandez was running in the background. And unfortunately, the league would figure out much, much later. Um, I, I want to touch on Zach Smith again, because I need to drive home why we're being such sticklers about Urban Meyer being such a slimy asshole because he protected Zach Smith for years. And of course I could not find the article when I was wanting to bring this part up, but Zach Smith's troubles quote unquote started while he was at Florida working for urban Meyer. Zach Smith was engaged. His, his fiance was pregnant at the time. He went out and hooked up with a grad assistant or something, brought the grad assistant back to their house this fiance, pregnant fiance there was basically trying to talk his wife into letting her spend the night because she was having quote boyfriend troubles. And his, his fiance just flipped out, said, nah, I'm so you got to get out of this house. I can't deal with you. And she went to urban Meyer and was like, this dude's an idiot. He's a psychopath. I can't do this. Urban basically helped keep this quiet. And this is where this whole thing started. It, it got so bad at Ohio state, Ohio state, had to basically force Urban Meyer to fire Zach Smith after the, the disgusting domestic assault allegations, or well, they're not even allegations, they happened, and, and also had to release a 23-page report which found the following. Zach Smith engaged in promiscuous and embarrassing sexual behavior, behavior, drug abuse, truancy, dishonesty, financial irresponsibility, a possible NCAA violation, oh, God forbid if you list all that, and a lengthy police investigation into allegations of criminal domestic violence and cyber crimes, plus another arrest and a domestic violence protection order that finally got him fired. Like, this is Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer is, is the definition of the grossest part of win at any cost. And that's who you're getting with Urban Meyer. But the worst part about Urban Meyer is if all of that wasn't bad enough, is that when this guy starts to experience any form of defeat, he's going to run. He's going to fake some sort of health malady and get his ass out. So Jacksonville, Jacksonville's got a shit show on their hands right now. He may show that there may be some instantaneous winning with, with Trevor and, and some, some quick fireworks, but this is going to come apart at the seams and it's going to come apart ugly. And urban Meyer is going to grab his bag and slime out the back door. And the rest of Jacksonville is going to be standing there thinking, what the fuck just happened? Well, and then, you know, Meyer acts like he didn't know anything, but Courtney Smith, who was the, uh, the victim in all this, says she came forward in 2015 to tell Meyer's wife, Shelly, 
and all the other wives of the OSU coaches. So tons of people knew about this and she was being very vocal because they had gotten divorced. Um, Oh crap. They got divorced sometime in between in 2016. So uh, after that, he even started like trespassing and stalking her and uh, all that kind of stuff. And then um, I'm trying to find out how long it took Urban Meyer to actually. um, So it took Urban Meyer two days to apologize to Courtney Smith via Twitter after a press conference in which he announced uh, um, to fire Zach Smith. And then at that press conference, he was asked when he made the decision to fire Zach Smith. And Meyer said, as a head coach, you're ultimately responsible for everybody's behavior. There were red flags that I wish I had known. I wish I was told more things, but you're ultimately responsible to represent this university. I wish I'd done more. I wish I'd done more. I'd known more. Myers said he was very upset he wasn't informed of the trespassing incident. So just the trespassing incident, he knew about everything else, but this one incident really pushed it over the top, apparently. When he heard about the restraining order, that's when termination crossed his mind. Crossed his mind. Crossed his mind. He didn't really well, make the decision, just saying, hmm. probably was thinking to himself, oh, crap, I may have to fire this guy. I don't know if I can talk my way out of this one. He's despicable. He's despicable. Starting in 2013, he started giving Zach performance reviews and his performance reviews were listing things like his value to staff and practice demeanor need work. Like just things like that, not damning stuff. But in 2017, he lists that he has personal matters that he needs to fix in the background. It's obvious urban knew for a while that this guy was a slimy piece of shit and decided to keep him around because he offered some value to the team somewhere that was helping Urban Meyer get a ring or get notoriety. And that's what this is about. This is about Urban Meyer. This is about how Urban Meyer wants to be. I don't even think it's about how he wants to be perceived. I think he just wants to win. He wants to get the glory. And when things start to get ugly, he wants to sneak out the back door with some sort of health problem. Would you be surprised if Zach Smith somehow found his way onto the staff at Jacksonville in some capacity? At this point, I wouldn't at, be that surprised. This, no, at this point, it would not surprise me. I, I would, I would fully expect that he's suddenly going to be hired, like as a head laundry coach or something. You know, the assistant manager of the washers and dryers. I mean, it, I would, I would think that if he's just going to go out and hire Chris Doyle with absolutely just no remorse. Yeah, I could see him bringing on somebody like Zach Smith. And I think the only reason why he has not gotten away with this is because of the fact that people are a lot more vocal on social media now. I do, you can go a whole other direction with this, with cancel culture and all that. I'm not going to go here. But the fact that people are able to be vocal and put pressure on teams, on companies, on individuals, on social media now definitely plays a part in this. Do you think Urban Meyer would have asked Chris Doyle to step down? Oh, I'm sorry. Chris Doyle would have resigned on his own record. If a cord, not record. If, if social media didn't play a part in putting pressure on Jacksonville, I don't, I, I mean, I just, I don't. Uh, I just, it's, it's a mess and it's, it's not the good kind of mess. Cause you, right. I, I kind of feel like, yeah, while it is 
a ridiculous thing to employ these people. It's also a bigger systemic issue facing Urban Meyer. And, you know, I'm afraid of what else is going to happen in the future. But, you know, this was, this is what Jacksonville knew they were getting. Like, there's no way around it. You knew that Urban Meyer is, is sneaky and slimy and has no morals and, um, it's just, you know, I, this is why I, this, this isn't the reason why, but it is a reason why I always thought that Urban Meyer is not long for Jacksonville. This is not a big hire. This is a disaster waiting to happen because this compiled with, he's never been an NFL head coach before. Will his system translate? I'm still wondering. I'm still wouldn't be surprised if Trevor Lawrence didn't, you know, kind of pull an Eli Manning and be like, I don't want to go to Jacksonville. And I wouldn't be surprised really if they kind of went with uh, Justin Fields or Zach Wilson or something. I mean, this is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Everything's on the table. This is Urban Meyer. Everything's on the table. Who, who knows what they're going to do? But this is not a man the Titans should have to fear in the coming, in the coming years, maybe one year. Because you don't know when, like you said, when you're going to have the health problems. And you don't know really when Mike Vrabel's going to choke him out in midfield. <laughs> I, um, and, and I'm like you, it's hard for me to kind of savor and enjoy Jacksonville being a mess like this because there is a dark, shitty component, a, a racial component to this in the background with hiring somebody like Chris Doyle that's unacceptable and is just straight up not funny. And it, and it sucks because Urban Meyer is, the, the sympathy I will show fans of Jacksonville is that it, it's almost guaranteed that Urban Meyer is going to leave this team in a worse position than when he found them. I, I, like I said, it, it could start off, with some fireworks and a little bit of panache up front with, with Trevor, but this isn't going to go well. And, and it's the writing's already on the wall with him trying to slime in a hire that he never should have been allowed to make. And, and, and it's obvious that, you know, the puppet GM has just shown that he's a puppet because he puts out a statement without the GM even being attached to it. I guarantee Balky read that in the media and was like, hold on a second. This never came across my desk. So you've already got this power background from a GM that came in with no power and a head coach that has a long history of terrible hires, protecting players, protecting bad people, bad coaches, and exiting when things are inconvenient. And that's Urban Meyer. And that's uh, that's what's going to happen. I'm just going to call right now. That's what's going to happen. I can't attach a time frame to it, but I think it's under three years. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely under three years. I'm, I'm with you. I wouldn't be surprised it's, if it's a midseason uh, next year. To yeah, be honest with yeah. You. No, this the, you're exactly right. This will not be a quiet end of the year resignation. He'll leave in the middle of the season. Who was the other uh, NFL coach that left in the middle of the season? Was a uh, coached for. Um, Atlanta, the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, Bobby Petrino. Bobby Petrino. There's going to be a letter left in lockers, pissed off players, and this guy's going to slime out of the locker room. Um, so we are going to switch gears to a team that I am thoroughly enjoying watching come apart because this has been a long time happening. The Houston Texans 
are, are a mess. <laughs> the Houston Texans are a much bigger mess than Jacksonville. I will say that. Um, we'll start with Jamie Roots has resigned as the president of the Texans last week. He was 20 years on the job. And, of course, obviously following that, the bigger news of J.J. Watt asked to be released and was granted it. Um, I don't have the quote in front of me, but uh, essentially John McClain of the Houston Chronicle was saying, look, you know, he was let go because Cal McNair did not want to put J.J. Watt through the whole rigmarole of looking for a team to trade for him, that kind of thing. He asked to leave to go to a competitor immediately, so they granted him his release. Um, but this is all circling around one man, and that man's name is Jack Easterby. Jack Easterby, if you don't know, you're about to buckle up and get a great story because this is one that I cannot get enough of. Anytime Zach or Mike or anyone in our group posts a Jack Easterby story, I kind of have to stop what I'm doing and read it because it's like they're like gross little young adult cheesy novels that I have to dive into. And I just can't get over how cheesy this man is. Before I get to him, I just want to read off this list of names that has left since Jack Easterby has come on in April 2019. GM Brian Gain, wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins, head coach Bill O'Brien. Now, Bill O'Brien did it to himself, but he's gone. Um, head of PR, um, Amy Palick or Palkick. I think I'm saying that right. Um, President Jamie Roots, of course. JJ Watt has now left and probably going to see Deshaun Watson leave. So, who the fuck is Jack Easterby? <laughs> well, He's not a funny guy because I had, I've I've seen many clips of where he's in front of a congregation and let me let me say this what we say disclaimer what we say about Jack Easterby does not necessarily reflect how we view organized religion on the podcast so let me first yes. say that this is all specifically about Jack Easterby and how he uses Adele did you read the article I sent you uh, yesterday. I, okay. I did. I did not read the whole thing. There, there is I a great article. Yeah, there's a great article by uh, Rivers McCown or McNown. I can't remember it, but he's a, he covers the Houston, Houston Texans. And he, um, he, he shows that Jack Easterby basically uses his religion and his views on God as a shield to not let people know who he really is deep down. Like you don't, no one knows what Jack Easterby is, except for he's vague platitudes wrapped in a riddle, wrapped in a uh, Bible verse. Like he's one of those people that is very fake and maybe he may be a lizard person. Like if not since governor DeSantis down in Florida, have I seen someone that is probably 100% a lizard person. And, and I think that definitely he may be an alien who thinks he's a human and all this stuff. I don't know. He's, he's very much, I'm 90% sure not a human. And I will say this, he is destroying the Texans from the inside. He had, he's a, um, the Ebony mall of the Houston Texans. Like he's speaking in the ears of, um, the McNair family and has just taken over. He's, he's just came through and just taken over everything. And I don't he has no football history. He's never even played football. I think he may not have even watched football before because of the moves that he's making, but it, it so 
all that to say, I'm going to let Lebowski take over the majority of this because I, I believe he's in the, on the verge of writing a Jack uh, Easterby documentary. It's about to happen. <laughs> all that to say, we, we just want to let you know that anything that we may say does not reflect our views on organized religion as a whole. Yeah, certainly. And I want to double down on that. I grew up as a Southern Baptist. I, I went to you know, many a Southern Baptist church growing up, went to multiple I say that because the next words out of my mouth are going to be for those of you that grew up in the South and the majority of listening to this podcast are probably in the same boat. If you've gone to a Southern Baptist church, you've met this man. You, yeah. you, I promise you have, you've met this man. If you go watch any of his interviews and the way he talks and the way he acts, you'll, you can think of someone, even if you can't recall their name, you will, you've met someone in your church organization or family that acts this way. And so that's why it's so kind of triggering for me. I've met Jack Easterby multiple times in my life by the description I'm giving. I've never actually met the man, but I know the type. His Wikipedia page, (laughs) his Wikipedia page starts with born in 1982 or 83. Now, someone tweeted out, and I think it was pro football commentator tweeted out, this is something you see on the Wikipedia page for a civil war general of they can't pin when they were born. I but was born and he's I, only that much older than us. Like as a whole, I mean, if he was, I was born in 82, I was born in January of 82. So this guy is either like late forties. That's what I mean. Like th- this guy is either my age or a year younger than me. And we can't even pin down when he was born. That's not a good sign. It cannot be that hard to find information about me to find out that I was January of 82. So maybe that's when he landed. This, this is when he came out of the volcano, like Scientology, um, studied theology at Liberty university. And then he was an operations intern at Jacksonville in 2004. We'll come back to that. Oh, wow. We're we're, going to come back to that in just a second. Hang on to that Jacksonville tag. 2005, working as an academic tutor for the University of South Carolina, he was hired as a character coach for the Gamecocks men's basketball team. Now, he stayed there for about five years, and and I cannot find it when I was looking it up earlier, but he used to write these, like, kind of, like, greeting card type, like, almost like um, fortune cookie little just blurbs and leave them in people's lockers and stuff, and apparently they yeah, He writes note cards. Yeah, because the uh, I, I read that yesterday. Yeah, it was leaving like inspirational note cards and players and coaches, you know, lockers and offices and that kind of thing. Stayed with with um, the Gamecocks for quite a while. 2011, he was the team chaplain for the Kansas City Chiefs, and he was brought on board based on the recommendation of Ryan Suckup. Now I want to stop there. Okay, Ryan Suckup knew him from South Carolina. Ryan Suckup went on to go kick field goals for the Tennessee Titans starting in 2014. Do I have that correct? Uh, Um, Yeah, I think so. So you need to understand something. The Titans missed this man by about three years. This to me is the equivalent of NASA discovering a gigantic asteroid passing by the earth at like 500,000 miles away after it's already passed. This happens a few years in the future. I guarantee Ryan Suckup is going to find a way to get Easterby into the Titans organization and not the Chiefs. So just let that sink in for a second. Um, Excuse me. And then 
the Patriots brought him on board as a character development coach in part because of the, the Hernandez mess in 2013. Now I will say this in 2011, while he was on board as the chaplain, he had a lot to do with counseling and, 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 and doing some grief counseling behind the scenes because of the terrible things that happened with, was it Javon Belcher? Do I have his name correctly? Yeah, I think so. I mean, a horrible situation with the chiefs. If you don't know about that, go look it up. I won't get into it here, but you obviously had a lot behind the scenes of, of grief counseling. And that's a good thing because that, that was a terrible situation that happened. There were head coaches presence, GMs present. So he had to kind of help the team get through that situation. <clears throat> Somehow the Patriots obviously saw some value in this, brought him on board in 2013 as a character developmental coach to help get them through the Aaron Hernandez mess. And then this is where the worming started. He met Nick Casero and that's basically all she wrote. He was stolen away from the Patriots in 2019. And this is where things start to get murky. SI.com, great article by Jenny Frenches, basically says that he was about to be fired by the Patriots because they were tired of him. And his agent basically cocked up this story that Jacksonville and the Dolphins were about to hire this man. So somebody needs to grab him. Cal McNair, through contacts, liked what he had heard about Jack Easterby, stole him away from the Patriots. Rumor has it that they were doing the Patriots a favor because they actually want to get rid of this guy, and there were actually no offers from Jacksonville or the Dolphins. So 2019, this man comes aboard, and the Texans have been a mess ever since. That is this man's opening salvo. Well, and apparently he left the Patriots in a dishonest way as well. He left the Patriots because, you know, Bob Kraft got the handy down in uh, Florida and that didn't sit well with him. But apparently he had already left the um, left for the Texans, not known to the Patriots and came to the Patriots Super Bowl ring ceremony to coerce Nick Casario into coming to Houston last year, last offseason. And that's pissed the Patriots off. And so this honest man who lives in with the shield of God and truth, those are the only two things he knows, is truth and God is what he told, uh, was said on this one podcast the other day, has effectively just lied and tried to get Casario out down to um, – Houston early and did it under the guise with nobody knowing in the Patriots organization. And they brought him on following the whole Aaron Hernandez murder scandal and everything over in Boston. And apparently he was a well-liked guy, but we're talking about a team chaplain slash um, character coach that departed to become uh, departed and jumped up into player development with the Texans, like a, a, a seemingly prominent role, but he became the Texans' new executive vice president of team development. A team chaplain jumping all the way up to that, and that just seems so odd. That is an odd thing to jump to. And then, but he's a snake too. Lizard person. He's a lizard person. I mean, that's all you can say. He shed his skin and of the Patriots and went over to Houston and tried to get Nick Casario when when, and not tell anybody he'd already taken a job somewhere else. And he he wants this is all a power play. 
This is all someone wanting to eventually, who has no business in doing as such, take over. I wouldn't be surprised if Cal, if Cal McNair dies sometime in the future and Nick Casario or uh, Jack Easterby is still on the Houston, Texas staff in some miracle, you know, 10 or 20 years later, if he didn't leave the team to uh, this guy. No one in his family, if he didn't leave him to Jack Easterby, just because I feel like Jack Easterby has his claws inside Cal McNair's brain. At some point in 2019, when he was EVP of team development, his online bio suddenly for 2004, the Jaguars job where he was an operations intern was changed to say that he was the director of football operations. And when someone pointed it out, it quickly disappeared. There are screenshots online of, of his bio, but it was up for quite a while. He, he has, he's massaged his resume in the background to make his job seem more impressive and important. And then those titles change when he gets pressured on it. And, and I will say this, if you haven't gone on and seen any of the videos of this man doing what he is claiming to be some sort of stand-up religious routine, it is, they're just horrifying to watch because they're so unfunny. And some of them are just flat out kind of offensive. The, the one stand-up he was doing where he was talking about going out to play San Diego and meeting fans in the parking lot who were saying things like, yeah, man, game will be over by four. And then we can go catch some waves, bro. Like it just, it, obviously, A, the whole story's made up. But then B, he's just making up, like he's just taking this trope straight off of like a Saturday Night Live skit. It, it just, it, it's obvious this didn't happen. It's obvious that none of this, none of these stories he details happened. And for some reason, people are eating this up. Now, I know we've all met people in our lives. And again, if you've been to a church in the South, I promise you've met this man before. But we've all probably made friends with or even possibly started dating someone to where they're fun and funny and charismatic up front. Then when you start to get to know them, they're kind of a disaster. None of their past matches up, that kind of thing. This That's Jack Easterby. I, I, just the man doesn't have a resume to back up his work. And I think he hides it all behind this kind of false flag of this guy. I'll help you through tough times with the religious component. Cal McNair is apparently a very religious man. So he has found this and he has sucked onto it like a leech and he's not going to let go. I'm telling you, I think they're going to name this man team president. Well, it's, I mean, it all started with, when they got rid of the public relations director, Amy, who is well-respected league-wide and respected not only by, by the people that she deals with in the media, but also by other teams and other staffs and all this stuff. And, and then the, the, under the guise of she doesn't fit with the culture, doesn't understand the culture and the new direction that we're heading with the culture. Well, that is obviously Jack Easterby, right? I mean, that is obviously all him firing someone that probably either a stood up to him or B is saying, no, that's not what we need to do. We need to do something else. Um, so I don't think uh, that was the, the beginning of it. That's when you knew that day when that happened and you saw 
everybody come to her defense and come to speak and tell stories about what she does for the community, what she does for the team, what she does for those that come visit the team. That's when you knew something sour was happening. I, I don't know if everybody connected the dots to Jack used to be right then, but sure enough, it didn't stay in the dark for long. And more and more come out. And listen, you know, there are going to be people that don't agree or they agree or disagree. It doesn't really matter about what is within a player's right to, to ask to be a part of, right? To be clear, Deshaun Watson really just wanted to be heard. He didn't want to be, you know, you have to do what I say. He just wanted to be heard and they couldn't even, and they said they would. Let's be very clear. The Texans said they would hear his suggestions. And now Deshaun Watson isn't just representing himself. He's representing everybody in the locker room as well, because he went to the locker room players and this is what they came up with. They kind of put together a little plan. And they say, hey, we just want you to know our plan. We'll listen to you. And they didn't. And they never did. They lied to him. Mr. Truth and Honesty Jack Easterby lied to him. They then hired a search firm, but never even listened to the search firm. And on top of all that, they then push out people that are really close with the players. Isn't that interesting that they push these equipment managers, these uh, trainers, Everybody that the players deal with on a daily basis that know the players the best, they push out of the organization. And I find that so interesting. This is such an interesting situation where it could become almost cult-like. I mean, in the way that this ends up, the, the Easterby religion is, is coming through the, the McNair family, and they don't see it. And they go out there and continually lie, and they say – that all these things that are coming out about Deshaun Watson aren't true. Uh, they're all speculation, but they never really narrowed down what the actual speculation is or what the correct details are. It's, it's very vague responses and they don't care. I don't understand either why they hate the city of Houston or why they hate football, but they definitely hate Deshaun Watson. And let me say this, the, the NFL sees what's going on in the NBA they see that the players have stepped up and been vocal about personnel changes and on their own teams, the NBA players' own teams, about contract situations, negotiations. The NBA has done, the players have done themselves a service in the NBA by being very vocal, right? Yeah. Now, there's really not a huge middle class or lower class in the, in the NBA player structure. There is in the NFL, it's a little bit tougher. But all these players want is just to be heard. They don't have to be listened to. All Russell Wilson wants is not to be sacked, you know, 300 times in his career. I know it's been 400 times, but apparently everybody says 100 of those are Russell Wilson's fault. I, I mean, whatever. <laughs> Who gives a shit? I mean, let's be honest. I mean, they're, they're just not doing him a service. He just wants his career to be extended, right? Deshaun Watson wants his locker room to be saved, the dysfunction to be saved. And he wants his locker room to be turned around because uh, Bill O'Brien and Jack Easterby and Kyle McNair destroyed it. And they're not doing it. They just hire nice guys. Nice guy, David Culley's coming in. Hey, oh, Mr. Nice Guy, David Culley. Yeah. And like, what, what are you going to do? And, you know, he feels trapped. He feels not listened to, not wanted, it seems like. But then they don't even want to trade him. 
you could get a crap ton for Deshaun Watson. Like I've said on here, the best thing for the for us as people who cover the Titans and for you as Titans fans is for Deshaun Watson to sit out this year and the Texans get nothing for him. That is the best the, that is the best yep. scenario for us. It's not great for Deshaun Watson. I mean, he's sure he's getting paid millions of dollars and he could just sit at home and not have to worry, put his body through the pain of having to get sacked a bunch of times or not throw to be able to throw to anybody and not have to listen to Jack Easterby make one fish, two fish, Dr. Seuss jokes. But like, that's all he wanted. And they couldn't even do that. I mean, for a man like Jack Easterby who talks about truth, honesty, and basically, you know, being a sympathetic ear, he does not care about the one guy you should be caring about. I mean, listen, yeah, you should care about what J.J. Watt thinks, blah, blah, but he was on his way out anyway, more than likely. He's only got a few years left, right? And Deshaun Watson is your future. That's the guy you got the most money invested in. That's the guy you're not even, you know, willing to just reach a hand across the aisle and try to get things fixed. And that's and when you've reached a level that Deshaun Watson has, when a, when a quarterback hits that in a football team to where you realize that the talent level is there and sustainable and can grow, um, and that they truly are the most valuable player on the team. I know we've you know obviously been doing a lot of MVP jokes the last couple of weeks, but it's because when a quarterback does reach the level of being the most valuable player on the team, they truly are. I mean, you can't point to a team that succeeds without a great quarterback or at least a good quarterback. So there's, there reaches a point where the quarterback should have some say-so in being able to dictate the direction of the offense and some of the team in general. And Deshaun Watson's not asking for a lot there. I mean, especially with the terrible moves that the team has made over the last two years with stupid trades and getting rid of, you know, first round picks and, just very, very silly moves. This you're exactly right in to where the the best thing that can happen for the AFC South and best thing that happened for the Titans is for this man to sit out. And it, this looks like it's going to be a holdout situation. Now back to Easterby. I'll I'll just put myself out there and say that Easterby is the type of guy that is going to recommend and make hires of people who don't threaten him. A who yep. can figure him out. And figure out his kind of his game and see past the 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 uh, the facade, and B like you said are just nice guys and are going to be happy to be with the organization and that kind of thing. That shit's not going to stop until Easterby is thrown out, fired, or pushed out of this organization. And based on the responses that we've gotten from the McNair family, specifically Cal McNair, that doesn't seem to be happening anytime soon. They they're not just protecting Easterby, they're happy to have him on board. Um, there was a quote, I'm going to mangle it, but there was there attributed to someone behind the scenes at the Texans organization of <clears throat> the loss to the Titans, final, final loss. Of course, as this is happening, J.J. Watt's walking off the field and he's telling Deshaun Watson, you know, I'm sorry that we wasted one of your good years. Well, apparently, as the team was leaving, Cal McNair and, and Jack Easterby met on the field, and they apparently said a prayer about their team and the direction that it was going. And according to the, the this front office source, that was basically the point when they realized, 
wow, Easterby's not going anywhere. Because as the season was going along, Jack Easterby was starting to get exposed in the media. There were rumors and rumblings that Cal McNair didn't like the attention. This was drawing to them and to the Texans and that he was probably going to get rid of Easterby. And a lot of the people saw this, this kind of meeting on the sidelines post game as a prayer of this man isn't going anywhere and he's here for quite a while. And you look at the offseason moves after that, and this is all Jack Easterby. And this is a mess. I, I'm, Jacksonville is one thing we were talking about earlier, but Urban Meyer is going to be a short-term problem because he's going to quit <laughs> in minus 2.5 years. That he's going to get fed up of something and he's going to leave. Jack Easterby, if Cal McNair allows him to stay around, could stay for years. He could stay for decades if they wanted him to. He's grim a worm tongue. He's whispering in the ear of the king, and Cal McNair doesn't realize he's being used. And I'm making these statements as a definitive statement. I certainly obviously don't know the complete dynamic behind the scenes, but we've been painted enough picture to see that Jack Easterby is a snake oil salesman, and he's got his hooks into this team. He's not leaving this town until he bleeds it dry. It's the, I guess lizard people don't want to take over the world. They just want to destroy uh, Houston. I mean, that's yeah, all we just I want to destroy Houston, yeah. apparently. Yeah. I mean, that may it just, <laughs> I, if so, if it came out that Jack Easterby is the reason that most of Texas doesn't have power right now because he is powering up his mega church <laughs> and his mansion somewhere, <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked. Like, there is nothing the that grid. this man could do that, <laughs> that he's, he's hacked the power grid. And he he has all the power. He's he's turned into Mr. Anderson at the end of the third Matrix, where yeah, replicated himself, and now he's just draining the grid. Um, it's it's crazy. It's this is I'm addicted to reading about it because, like I said, I've grown up knowing people like Jack Easterby, and I know the type, and I can even think of specific individuals, but. I just, uh, I'm always fascinated by cults of personality and how when you look at someone from the outside, as an outsider looking in, you're thinking a deranged person. Like that you can see the immediate, immediately when he opens his mouth that he's just full of shit. But you get wrapped into the tentacles of somebody like that. And you, and you, for some reason, you cannot see it. And that, that truly is how cults are formed. That's how, why they're called cults of personality. And that's exactly what Jack Easterby is. I mean, his entire resume is basically him just convincing people that he's good for the organization because he provides this soulful, meaning, meaningful, like counselor type position. But when he gets figured out, he has to leave. And that's like, exactly. I can't wait for him and Trip McCracken to come to uh, Houston and uh, sell everybody on a monorail. <clears throat> That's what I'm waiting on. Monorail system is coming with Trip McCracken and Jack Easterby to Houston. Which and, is stupid thing. Yeah. Yeah. Go the ahead. stupid thing is, is that I think Nashville could actually use a monorail. <laughs> well, and you know, let me say this, and this goes, and I did not come up with this, but Rivers, uh, the guy that we were talking about earlier that wrote this great long article, Rivers McCown, he called it a cult of personality with no personality. Jack Easterby has zero personality. It is a remarkable feat for someone to be apparently like when you have these cult leaders and these people who are who are uh, whisperers to these famous people and convince people they have charis 
charisma and they have this relatability to them. That's why that's why people fall in love with serial killers like uh, Manson and all that, because they 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 have this charisma and aura about them and they can trick you and all this. He doesn't have any of that. So it's even more remarkable that he's been able to get this far in life doing what he does, which, like you said, is a snake oil salesman and without a personality. That that just shows how stupid the McNairs are. In in the and in, in the end, this McNair family, Cal McNair specifically, is just ignorant and stupid. And I don't know how he's still around. I don't know why you are continuing to ignore the signs, especially of Deshaun Watson and JJ Watt and all these people that supposedly meant so much to you guys. I just don't understand how you can follow this guy who is who is just boring. There is nothing to him, no substance. I'll uh, I'll wrap up the Easter Bee piece on this from Adam Schefter, and uh, I think this quote kind of says it all: is that as speculation continues to swirl regarding Watson's future, the Texans have moved ahead by making sweeping organizational changes. This past week, they dismissed Director of Football Administration Kevin. Uh, Krajovic, Krajovic, I think I'm saying that correctly, equipment manager Mike Parson and his staff and another longtime employee, Doug West. Parson is said to have close relationship with Watson. These changes are not sitting well with the players. One player privately commented to ESPN that the Texans are weeding out employees who were not hired by Executive Vice President Jack Easterby and new general manager Nick Cassero, and they're replacing them with employees who will be indebted to them for their work. This is exactly what I'm talking about. They're hiring, Jack Easterby is hiring people that are that have not seen the full persona. He wants them out of the building so he can start fresh and indoctrinate a new group of people so that he can stay for the long term. That's exactly what this man is doing. He sees the power vacuum. He's grabbing for it and he's going to hang on to it despite that best interest of the organization which is to keep Deshaun Watson happy and to build around him. This is exactly why J.J. Watt wanted out and asked for his release because he doesn't want to go through a full rebuild. He wants to go to a team that he can try to get a Super Bowl ring in his last few few years of his career because realistically, Watt's probably got a couple of years left, if that. Watson is young and he's got good talent but we see how quickly the nfl can squander good talent and that's exactly what's happened to him and god forbid watson suffers some sort of injury that could sideline or derail his career i know that's exactly what he's looking at but easterby's whole goal is is for easterby to gain control within the texans i i believe that it is not in his best interest to make the texans a winning organization it's just a power grab for him, and he's going to see how far he can take it. You, If you have not started reading the history of Jack Easterby and his Houston Texans situation, <clears throat> please do so now because this will be either a bar trivia question, a Jeopardy question, yep. or a mass murder <laughs> that ends with a bunch of people drinking Kool-Aid. Like, you know, like a, the, the, the occult Heaven's Gate. End. <laughs> yeah, Heaven's Gate. This could end up being Heaven's Gate. You don't want to be the person that's, you know, in five years from now when this thing ultimately explodes, seeing 
man, what happened? Tell me about it. You want to be the guy to be able to tell the story. You want to be the person that's going to be able to tell everybody at the bar or everybody at dinner. Did y'all, when this thing goes south, how it happened and why it happened, you have to do it. This is an interesting point in time for the Houston Texans, and it's only going to get worse. If you have a cubicle job for the Houston Texans and all of a sudden your coworkers all start to wear the same tennis shoes, leave. Yeah. Okay. Just, just please leave because it's never drink a drink that has been given to you without seat with no Kool-Aid, no Kool-Aid, no punch. Bring your own drinks to work. Do not accept drinks that are offered to you. Please watch out for the same apparel that's being worn. Um, Yeah. So I'm going to tweet out links to these articles because they are some damn good ones. And I don't even want, I would love to sit here and joke that I'm going to write something all encompassing about this. I'm not a good writer. I just want to share other people's good work. And there are some damn good ones out here. Brentus, um, this one by McCown, very, very good reads. Cause it's just, it's, it's interesting and it's very strange and it's kind of entertaining to watch from a distance because it's not happening to your organization. But I, I, I legit feel bad for Texans fans. I do because I don't see an end in sight for this until someone realizes that someone has to be Cal McNair, that Easterby is bad for the team. And this guy will stay as long as they let him. I mean, he's, he's a, he's a, what are you, a squatter. He's, he's claiming power squatters rights right now. And he is not going to leave until the owner throws him out. So good luck. But I will tweet out these links because they're they're damn good articles. Yeah, but um, it's a mess. That's gonna do it for us. It's been football under the efforts. We are uh, unfortunately we were unable to be joined by Michael this morning. Just too much going on with snow and power outages and people's problems. So Michael wasn't able to join today. But um, you know, Zach and I have enjoyed talking to you about the disaster of the AFC South. Um, we just wait for the Colts to see what they're going to do with a quarterback. So they remain entertaining as well, but not nearly as entertaining as the other two. Um, always check us out, broadwaysportsmedia.com. We enjoy bringing you this content. Rate, review, and subscribe. And you have just been effed. A Broadway Sports Media Production.